ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 52 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella, at Dynasty FF Addict on Twitter, and I am joined with two very special guests here tonight, two guys I'm very happy to have on, uh, especially uh, because uh, I had... Uh, I had one of them on a while back, and I mentioned then uh, I had missed their their pod together. Uh, one of them uh, had had to to deal with real life for a while, but now, <laughs> now they're back together with the football guys. It's it's Chris Allen and Adam Wildey. Uh I want to thank you guys for coming on, Adam. How you doing tonight? Fantastic, man. Thanks for having us. And Chris, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I mean, it's been way too long, Rocky. Appreciate you having us back, though, man. Yeah, and I, I remember we I think we had Chris like week one or two of the NFL season last year. Yeah. And I'd said it then I, I, I had missed dynasty owners manual. I asked when it was coming back and then not exactly that, but pretty close. So uh, I'm loving loving the football guy show. It's very good stuff. (laughs) Yeah. We're enjoying it. Yeah. We're, we're definitely enjoying being able to work over with most of those guys over at FBG. So yeah, man, thanks. Really appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Okay. So we'll get, we'll get right into it then. Um, What I want to do tonight was a little exercise of, uh, going through some uh, different rounds of Superflex Dynasty ADP. Um, we often talk about, you know, when we're talking about, do you want this guy or that guy? It's a lot of times you hear, you know, I'll take the cheaper guy. So what I wanted to do was go, go through some rounds and, and look at similarly priced players um, that you could get in startups or even possibly if you're, if you're looking to trade, make trades and just, you know, these kind of guys can, you know, shape your team. So uh, I wanted to just talk with uh, Adam and Chris here about some of these guys. I, it's funny too. I was I let them know this morning. I, I originally did this a day or two ago and and had different uh, DLF. I'm using the Superflex DLF ADP, and uh, they switched from May to June, the day before we did the show. So I started switching some of them up, which I I think bothered Chris a little bit. <laughs> oh no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I switched some of them up because some of the ADPs ended up being different. And the whole point is similarly priced guys. So, um, but uh, we still have a lot of good ones here. I originally had done, I think for one each for the first seven rounds. I also switched that up a little uh, just as long as they were close together. I just uh, thought that was okay. So we got seven different, uh, you know, kind of this guy or that guy I called it who you got. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. And uh, so go start with round one. Uh, everyone knows that uh, basically this year, Superflex uh, quarterbacks are commandeering the first round in a way they never have before. <laughs> and uh, so yeah. we obviously had to go with a quarterback uh, pairing here in the first round. 
So uh, I did Lamar Jackson, whose ADP is four overall, uh, and Justin Herbert, ADP is five overall. So, uh, Chris, who you got? Uh, for me, it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, at least I'm looking at that entire offense. I know a lot of folks are kind of down on the Tyler Wallace, Rashad Bateman, like the landing spots there. But at the very least, I do think that that offense can be much more efficient moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually talking about this with uh, with Mike Lou, uh, Mike Me Up, if I'm not mistaken, on Twitter. Uh, just looking at the Baltimore Ravens offense as a whole, I mean, they fell from, I think, first in offensive yards per drive, top three in terms of EPA per play in 2019, uh, to in 2020, they fell back to like 19th in offensive yards per drive. Uh, I think it was like still like top 10 in terms of EPA per play, but they were less efficient as an offense, which kind of makes sense if you look at the wide receivers that he was still throwing to. I mean, it was like Des Bryant, it was like Willie Sneed. I mean, guys that you really don't <laughs> care about. But now you replace them with, I don't care what you think about it, but Sammy Watkins is head and shoulders better than all the rest of those guys. Rashad Bateman, we already like we're hearing reports at a camp about how prolific he's going to be. Where he wins and uh, where he wins on the field is in a spot where Lamar has actually been inaccurate or inefficient as a passer in the intermediate areas of the field. So at least for me, while I'm not projecting or not thinking that it's going to be like a Bills 2.0 type situation, the offense can still be more efficient with still using the run first approach to their game which should give Lamar more of those high-value touches, which should propel him back into the overall QB1-type conversation moving forward. So, like, for me, it's Lamar Jackson, hands down. And, and you kind of touched on something there that, that is one of the reasons I wanted to include Lamar in this is uh, a lot of people have kind of uh, pushed out the narrative that the drafting of, the, of Tylen Wallace and Rashad Bateman might mean that they're looking to pass more. Uh, so, Adam, do you think there's anything to that? And, and is Lamar also your guy here? Well, absolutely. There's something to that to me. And I think that Sammy Watkins was also a fantastic addition as well. See how many games you get out of them. But healthy Sammy Watkins is definitely going to be productive in the basically the Willie Sneed role for Lamar Jackson. But instead of echoing all Chris's points on Lamar, I'll counter with why people have Herbert um, one pick behind Lamar. Um, Herbert's offensive line got a significant, significant upgrade, probably the best offensive line the Chargers have had in years. Uh, They might battle for a top 10 spot this year. So Justin Herbert's offensive line got an upgrade and starting the year with Mike Williams, uh, Keenan Allen, a healthy Austin Eckler. Hopefully he's got all the weapons himself and Justin Herbert showed he had wheels as well. So he's, you, you don't think of him as a Konami code quarterback. You want to reserve that for your Kyler and your Lamar, but he's really not Justin Herbert. He's he's really not that far behind. So it makes sense that he's one pick behind. Age doesn't matter, and you kind of just lean to the former MVP here. Um, Lamar Jackson really should be the only quarterback in the NFL that gets the Konami code tag. I mean, he's <laughs> prolific, and maybe Trey Lance comes and matches that a few years down the road. But for now, I think Lamar Jackson is in his own tier when it comes to uh, rushing upside. So especially in your leagues where you've got a six-point rushing touchdown, four-point passing touchdown, uh, it's huge in Lamar Jackson's favor. And I'm with both of you guys. I'm going to make it three for three on Lamar. Uh, another thing I wanted uh, that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about, and not that I, I don't like Herbert, but he, he did fade a little down the stretch last year, mm-hmm. uh, whether that was matchups, whether that was maybe the league catching on to him a little bit. Um, but I, uh, I, I like Chris, I did a little pre-show prep, 
And uh, <laughs> and uh, I was looking at it, and last year I think he had uh, starting week twelve, he had uh, twenty points that week, which at that point was his lowest week of the season. Then he only eclipsed that once for the rest of the year. So it's it's something not a lot of people are talking about. Maybe it's just a blip, but it does worry me a little bit. Again, not that I'm going to knock him down too far, but it helps me give the edge to Lamar. Like you said, the Konami code aspect obviously helps, uh, and we may see the passing. Uh, the passing offense increased with the with the addition of all these receivers. So uh, I'm going to make it three for three. I'm going to go Lamar and uh, I, just uh, maybe a little caution on Justin Herbert for this year. I mean, we, we it, it was a great rookie year, but we've only seen mm-hmm. one. I mean, you remember Baker Mayfield was like going like QB three after his rookie year, <laughs> oh, and, yeah, yeah. and we didn't we didn't think he was going to fall off it, and he he hasn't approached QB three production numbers. So uh, so yeah. Go Lamar Jackson. So we'll go to the next one, which is uh, this is they were actually closer in the May ADP when I came up with this one. It's one of the only I think it might be the only cross positional one I ended up putting on here, but they are on the same team. Uh, and this one was uh, Tyreek Hill, who's going at 18th overall or Travis Kelsey. He's at 28 in the ADP, but DLF ADP is uh, non tight end premium. I'm kind of looking at this through a, a, a my other podcast, the trade addicts lens where they have the 1.75 premium and in that kind of league, I think uh, Kelsey's ADP would definitely be somewhere in the second round as well, along with Tyreek. So uh, Adam, I'll ask you this time first, uh, which one would you rather go with uh, if you're drafting a startup? I'm all for the tight end advantage. I think it does give you a huge advantage to have one of those top tier tight ends. I kind of get that down to, uh, tight end five and maybe six with Hawkinson and Pitts. And after that, you might as well just go all the way down to Everett or something like that. So I do get why Travis Kelsey is being drafted so high. Um, You're just never going to get around age. Now the 1.75 premium helps you, but Travis Kelsey's uh, value is not ascending. You know what you're getting with Travis Kelsey. While Tyreek Hill is in a battle with like eight wide receivers for wide receiver one on any given day in dynasty overall. So it's just really hard to pass on that production with Tyreek Hill. Again, I get how important it is to have an elite tight end in dynasty. And I don't know when Travis Kelsey's falling off. I mean, he's on a Tony Gonzalez like track and Tony Gonzalez played well into his thirties. Right. So you never know, but I can tell you that his value is not going up. You're going to see Kelsey drop behind and if we could get a healthy year out of Kittle, you might see him drop behind your Kittles, your Hawkinsons, your mm-hmm. Pitts. Soon, even maybe your fan, if we could get a good year out of him, please, please get what a good year it? out of fan. So, you know, it's just one thing that you can't battle in Dynasty is father time. People just don't like it. So do you think, though, that Tyreek's value can ever go up from this point? I mean, I don't think his value is going up much either, probably. I think it stabilizes for a lot longer. I mean, 24 years old, I believe, and um, got a contract with the best offense in the league. And I don't see that that offense changing anytime soon with Patrick Mahomes' 10-year deal. So I think that Tyreek Hill probably has a lot more years around uh, wide receiver one than uh, Travis Kelsey has around tight end one. And and Chris, where are you at on this one? I'm I'm in a similar spot uh, with with Adam in terms of Tyreek and Tyreek's 27. Uh, 27. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. am I yeah, thinking? He's, yeah, he's 27. <laughs> if he's 24, Jeez. I mean, he would definitely be. The yeah, that's what I. <laughs> what happened like, to What happened to the past? Like, yeah, he was well, one, uh, what what was the, the one of the which 20, 20, 2016 draft. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's which right. Twenty-seven-year-old yeah. wide receivers, you know, in a year they'll be twenty-eight, and then they might as well be dead. So, <laughs> I, I think he's got. A, I think he's got a Maybe. few more years. Uh, yeah, but I think. Yeah. Uh, but but to but to Adam's point, I think it's not just about the offense that he's attached to, because I mean, those, those that situation is similar to Travis Kelsey, but it's the types of targets that he gets, right? I mean, you're talking about on an offense that's still like top five, top six in terms of neutral passing rate, mm-hmm. passing rate within the red zone. I mean, that's it's very rare that you're able to find a situation or at least a passing situation for a wide receiver like that. And so even if we're looking at Tyreek Hill projecting out over the next two to three seasons, I mean, at the very least, we can see him still having or like earning that level, that many targets. I mean, it's not just that he has a 23, 24 percent target share within that offense. That's what you would expect for a wide receiver one, like at least mid-range wide receiver one. We're not talking about like DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs or anybody like that. But still, I mean, he's getting most of the deep targets. He was right behind Travis Kelsey in terms of uh, red zone targets last season. I mean, there's so much that's still pointing towards Tyreek Hill, at least like Adam said, his value stabilizing and his being stable in the next few years. But with Travis Kelsey, you can just see his value just continue to tick down like year after year just for the fact that I mean, he's already, what, 31, 32? I mean, 31, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, for as much as I love Travis Kelsey, I mean, aha, brethren, like, you know, what's up? But it's just it's hard for me to see his value could, like continuing to hold just because of the fact that he's he is old, like he's the, one of the oldest tight ends in the league right now. And yeah, I, I hear that. And I knew that was going to be a talking point here. Uh, for me, I'm actually going to disagree on this one. I, I actually would go with Kelsey, but that's also I'm uh, I think, as Adam kind of mentioned at the beginning of what he was saying, I, I'm big on the the elite tight end advantage. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I also tend to be less ageist than most dynasty players. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I just don't think he's going to give you not la- last year's production was other world worldly. He's not going to give you that, but I think he's oh, still yeah. going to give you that, uh, elite production for at least another year or two. And, and I, I just think it's one of the biggest advantages of fantasy football is having one of those guys at tight end, especially in a 1.75 or 2.0 premium, uh, it's it's just such an advantage over the teams you're playing because most of them, all, all but the guys who own say Waller and maybe eventually Pitts and and, and Kittle, uh, you know you're beating you're having a major point advantage there. Uh, one other thing I was thinking about too, and I'm curious what you guys think of this, um, is that you know Tyreek as at 27 as a speed guy, um, when the speed is such a big part of your game, do you think that uh, maybe affects him? earlier in terms of production than than maybe another player just because you know the speed might go a little earlier for me i would say no just because like he has shown that he could run at least a very diverse route tree like Mm -hmm. while his average depth of target has like hovered around like 12.5 like 13 or whatever over the past like couple of seasons i mean even if like the speed starts to go away and like we start to see almost like like the Julio Jones ish like type of fall off where it's not really uh, like just these catastrophic injuries, but it's like a hamstring tear here or like a calf injury there. It's like those those like soft tissue injuries that start to like pile up like over the years and whatnot. Like if those things start to happen, I think he'll still has enough in his like bag of tricks that he can create separation on intermediate routes. He can still do those drag routes. I mean, I think there's enough there, especially in the offense that we were just talking about that likes to like that predicates on like being a pass first offense. He can still be like a wide receiver one, even without being like the deep threat on his team. Rocky, I'll add a, a talking point for you actually on Travis Kelsey. I forgot that Travis Kelsey had a, 
pretty significant contract. He's signed through 2025, um, and he's actually got reasonable cap hit. I mean, starts out significant, like 12.5 million cap hit in uh, two seasons, and then it goes trickles down all the way to I think in 2025 he's got a 1.2 million dollar cap hit, but he's not an easy cut by any means over the next four or five years. So you know if he is going to be the Tony Gonzalez that plays into his late 30s, then you got huge value. I think. He falls into that category of guys. Chris and uh, Chris and I talk about Derrick Henry all the time. Where where Derrick Henry got that new contract, it was time for you as a dynasty manager to make a decision: Am I going to ride it till the wheels fall off? And if I am, then I go trade for Derrick Henry because he's going to be cheaper. So when you talk about Travis Kelsey and you're talking about that he's actually going to be a value soon, then maybe you roll with Travis Kelsey and you just know that you're not trading him. It's not going to happen. So 2025, when you're still getting tight end three, four, five numbers out of Travis Kelsey you probably won this argument because I don't know that you can really predict when Tyreek Hill stops being the fastest guy in the world, but mm-hmm. it Travis Kelsey's game's not predicated around being the fastest guy in the world. So I don't know what Tyreek Hill looks like without being the fastest guy in the world. So those are some counterpoints that I thought of there. I I'm still going to lean elite wide receiver, uh, especially since I can get, I can still get a, a tight end like Dallas Goddard, who I really like a little bit later and someone who I think is going to ascend a little. I'm just a, I, I'm a value hog, so I'll try to get value a little bit later on someone who I think can increase value just a bit. Yeah, you, but I, I know, Adam, you, you love you know, the talk about the contracts, and I think you made a really good point there, though, <laughs> that uh, if he's going to be tied with Mahomes even to his later years, uh, I, it's definitely going to lead to solid production just being in that offense, being with the best quarterback in the league. And uh, I really like the point you made, Chris, about um, on Tyreek. I mean, everybody likes to say this guy is the next Tyreek, but the reason every fast guy isn't Tyreek is because of of the route, you know, route tree he can run Absolutely. and the route the mm-hmm. route runner that he is. Um, so I think he made a really good point there as well. And I, I guess again, just for me, I think it's also too you know that wide receiver is so deep. Not that we have you know you know forty Tyreeks, but right. <laughs> but there's just so many guys that I, I like. I said I feel I can get. Um, decent wide receiver production later. I can't get anything resembling Kelsey later. And, and, and I, again, I'm a guy that, that not that I ignore value trade value, but I mm-hmm. definitely tend to lean more towards weighing the production more heavily. Um, you guys are obviously made a good point. I mean, Tyreek's value will probably be stable for longer. Like you said, his pits ascends and, and, uh, and things like that. So, um, but we'll move on to the next one, which is also happens to fall on round two. And uh, this is one, if uh, anyone's listened to me, there's uh, this is one of the guys I've been talking about a lot. Uh, Cam Akers is going 22 overall, or DeAndre Swift at 24 overall. Uh, so uh, I, I'll just keep going back and forth. I'll start with you, Adam, this time, and, and uh, see what you think. Which guy do you like better? I, I definitely have a strong opinion here, but I'm going to let you guys go first. Uh-oh. All right, so I look at <laughs> You better pick right, man. I look at running back in like a four year window. So honestly, it doesn't really matter to me that much after four years after the rookie contract just doesn't go too well after that. So looking, keeping that in mind, I'm, I'm taking cam makers here. Just give me the better offense. Give me the better, um, uh, front office. Um, basically give me the better everything when compared to Deandre Swift, they don't even want to give Deandre Swift a significant workload, uh, in the coming season. And I know that doesn't mean everything. And I know that Anthony Lynn probably gets fired, but that doesn't mean that you can bank on the next guy not doing the exact same thing. So unfortunately, I think that DeAndre Swift is the 
uh, better back, but that doesn't matter too terribly much in fantasy football or as a matter of fact in the real NFL because I think Cam Akers and DeAndre Swift are productive in a lot of the same ways. It's just, are you going to give me the Jared Golf-led Lions who are in like a five-year rebuild or can I get, um, you know, Super Bowl chasing um, Rams with Matthew Stafford and you still have Cooper Cup and you have Robert Woods in that offense so that you're going to get a lot of scoring opportunities and you don't have the, you know, a rushing quarterback that's going to even take work from Cam Akers. So I think it, yeah, I think it's Cam Akers here by a pretty significant margin, which is unfortunate because I think DeAndre Swift is the better back. So, Chris, where are you at? Uh, I'm gonna have to disagree. No, I'm just playing. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with I'm with Adam on this one. I mean, Cam Akers, I need you two to disagree on. So I think you've agreed on the first three. No, I mean, well, we, we disagree we enough. We I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we will at some point. Just look at our text message. Oh yeah, we disagree with each other all the time. Okay, uh, but you need to disagree on the podcast. Okay. Oh, okay, podcast. we got to disagree on the podcast. <laughs> I, I can't disagree on this one. I mean, regardless of what you think about what the offense could look like under Matthew Stafford. In the last two seasons, I mean, the Rams have been like 30th in terms of red zone passing rates, so that like works in Cam Akers' favor. So even if Matthew Stafford comes in and I guess what's the quote that I've been hearing passed around, he unlocks the rest of the offense. Mm-hmm. Like I can't really see like this like astronomical flip between what they've done in the red zone to what they will do in the red zone like come 2021. So even if they move like even closer to league average, that still gives a lot of high value touches to Cam Akers. And it's not like they've actually really used or like Sean McVay has approached the running back position as a, like using a committee. Like it hasn't been really a 50-50 split. Like when it was acres down the stretch, he was getting like averaging about like 65% of the carries mm-hmm. while also rocking about a 6% target share as well. Right. So if we're looking at, uh, I mean, acres definitely checks the boxes of being tied to a good offense, checks the boxes of getting the like majority of the touches, also checks the boxes of being involved in the passing game. I mean, he's also going to be involved uh, once they get down to the red zone to get the high value touches. I mean, it all kind of lines up with Akers being the guy well ahead of DeAndre Swift, who, while he will be getting most of the touches, we assume, but we don't know if it's going to be a 50-50 split between him and Jamal Williams. He might be involved in the passing game, but how often are they going to be in the red zone? So, I mean, it's just every box that Akers checks, we can maybe semi-check, or at least we have questions regarding the same situation with DeAndre Swift. And again, it uh, makes me feel like maybe I'm the wrong one here, but I'm disagreeing with you guys. Oh, no! Um, <laughs> I, I've been quoted as saying I think Cam Akers is the most overrated asset in fantasy right now. Uh, even last year, uh, I'll just give you my, my uh, disagreement points. Is Even last year when he started getting the workload towards the end of the year, it's not like he produced like crazy. Uh, he had one 20-point game. Uh he was RB 19 over the last five weeks of the season where he started getting, or the last five games he played where he was getting more carries. Um, I think, and I don't have the numbers like, like Chris does, but I, I don't, I feel like earlier in the season, they were using more of a committee approach. Um, maybe that's going to change. I mean, he, he obviously did start taking over more at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, he didn't do a ton with it. And, uh, it, it didn't count for fantasy. I think he, he had 20 game, twenty carries in the last game of the season and only had like 30-some yards. And another thing uh, that, that concerns me is I don't see um, – well, not that I don't see, but I don't. we don't have evidence yet of how much I, I think that they're going to use him in the passing game. He had, he had 11 catches entire, on the entire season. I mean, so he played in 13 games. 
uh, only had 11 catches. So he's definitely part of his game. I know it's something he can do. I, you know, I, you know, like a lot of people, I, I try and watch these guys uh, as they're coming out. And I, I know he had pass catching ability, um, but they haven't utilized it yet. Um, so it, it seems to me that a lot of people are basing this off that last run where he was okay, but not great. And, and those two playoff games where he was pretty solid. Um, and, and I just think Henderson's going to be more involved. Uh, but, but that's where I'm at. And I, like Adam said, I think uh, Swift is, is, probably the better talent the only issue is is the situation and we all know situations can change and we've seen him do it in the passing game which is what i love out, out of a running back uh so and i think he was uh what rb 19 something like that already last 21 last season mm -hmm. um at least in trade addict scoring which is what i have up here so so yeah, I, I I am willing to bet that the situation hopefully gets better or that uh, even in PPR he can he can you know make a difference for you. Uh, so so that's where I'm at. Uh, any any other comments there before we move on to the next one? Yeah, I just wanted to add a little bit of context to uh, Cam Akers' finish to the season last year. He did battle that high ankle injury in the in mid December last year and played through it. I think a couple games and actually missed just one. So, I mean, we have to take a ride down narrative street to really justify this, but it would make sense to me if he battled a high ankle sprain through December and then was just phenomenal in the two playoff games that perhaps he got over the hump with those ankle sprains or, or maybe the ankle sprain didn't matter at all, but it just kind of provides context. Just like Jonathan Taylor, it took all year and the two backs that we're going to talk to and just talk about in just a second. It mm -hmm. took like yep. all year mm -hmm. to get these guys a workload. And it just so happened that actually, and like Antonio Gibson, it just so happened when they did finally get this workload, they're playing banged up, which happens with running backs in, in late season. So I'm not the biggest Cam Akers stand in the world. I would actually say I probably am more of a stand for DeAndre <laughs> Swift, but I would like to see Cam Akers come out the beginning of the year healthy with the workload that they were giving him at the end of the year with the ankle issue. Yeah, and it's it's funny as I feel like when they both came out as rookies, I was a little lower on DeAndre Swift than anybody else, than mm -hmm. everybody else, and a little higher on Cam Akers. And now I've seemed to have totally flipped from what everyone in the community is thinking. <laughs> um, but but I guess we'll see who's right. I could be totally wrong on Akers, um, but I just think we're we're not going to see. I just think he's being kind of valued. I think he's like RB eight or something like that. And I just, mm -hmm. I'm not sure he's, he's going to quite achieve that level, but, but we'll see. Um, but again, you guys already alluded to it. The next one, um, two guys going in round four, uh, back to back CEH at 38 again, second year backs or JK Dobbins at 39. These are two interesting ones to me. Both have a lot of positives, but also I, I can see people having reservations about both. So, so Chris, who you got? Uh, for me, it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I'm, I know I'm probably being stubborn about CEH because I was all in. I was one of those analysts last season that despite the fact like after Damian Williams opted out for the season, who like I was just 100% full bore like Damian Williams – like he's going to take over. It should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl the previous season. But after he opted out, it was like, all right, well, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, coming out of LSU, 55, uh, 55 targets or receptions rather, like coming out of like his final season in college. I mean, there's so much to like about what he can bring to both the rushing and passing game. And yet not like none of that materialized. I mean, barely used in the passing game. 
I mean, his rushing success rate, I mean, was I mean, was abysmal, at least compared to at least what our expectations of CEH coming into the league were. But we've seen what the Kansas City Chiefs have done during the offseason, completely retooled that offensive line. They get, uh, was it uh, Laurent uh, Lubin uh, Tardif uh, back as well? Back, like, yep. he, yeah, he, they get him back. I mean, all of that becomes, I guess, all the positives for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And we've already talked about being attached to a good offense. Uh, I mean, that's another like check mark like for him as well. And then, of course, the I guess the quote from Andy Reid saying that they were trying to ease him into uh, the workload. They want to get more involved in the passing game in, in this season. So for me, it's just I can see his workload growing and him being a larger part of a great offense where J.K. Dobbins, we are at least in my opinion, I think his workload is like is capped by both his quarterback and also the running back that they just gave a pretty massive extension to. So for me, it's it's definitely CEH. Yeah, and you made a point that I that I was probably gonna bring up when I talked about this, uh, which is that that, that offensive line, I think uh, I forget which. Uh, unfortunately, I listen to way too many podcasts, but I, I forget which podcast it was. But someone said they'd given a, a master class in how to rebuild your offensive line through the offseason. I just think it, it's been such an upgrade that that's going to help them. But what do you think, Adam? I decided before this one that I'm going to take whoever Chris doesn't take. <laughs> and uh, we need and disagreement. I, <laughs> and I knew that it was going to be CH 100% because we're both very predicated around offenses. But you, we give the Chiefs so much credit. But even last year in a down year for efficiency, like we started out the episode with Lamar Jackson, I mean, everything was there. The, the numbers were pretty similar besides the fact that Lamar Jackson uh, battled, uh, you know, a COVID bout and and whatever that game was where he had to exit um, the, the year was just an inefficient year in terms of scoring. And they were still seventh in scoring in the NFL mm-hmm. on a, on a down Lamar Jackson year, quote unquote. So it, and, but what I want to bring up is Daryl Williams was just as involved, involved, if not more involved than Gus Edwards is going to be And Chris and I are turning into Gus Edwards stands here. I mean, he's going to be <laughs> oh, I'm on that train too. Yeah. yeah the, Gus, the Gus bus. <laughs> He's going to be utilized contracts. You said I like contracts to he got the same contract as Kenyon Drake. So, and I think that Kenyon Drake is going to be involved in the offense. So I do think Gus Edwards is going to be involved in the offense, but Daryl Williams was heavily involved in the offense. And then they bring in Jarek McKinnon, who I used to hate Jarek McKinnon, Chris, because Chris liked him and he was way, way Uh overvalued, Uh (laughs) but, 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 but when he becomes a value, he's a fan. I'm a fan again. And Jarek McKinnon is going to you know, probably not do, probably not eat too terribly much. But if you factor in that they already like Daryl Williams and he's still on the roster, and then you bring in Jarek McKinnon, how you can't just say that CEH is going to get all of these receptions because you want them to when they have shown all last season that they wanted to use Daryl Williams in the passing game. And then you bring in a significantly better passing back in Jarek McKinnon. Like you said, Rocky, situations change, but running backs don't have a lot of time for the situation to change. You get one contract to make a difference in this True. league, or you don't get another. There's only so many Dalvin Cooks. There's only so many Zeke's, only so many Christian McCaffrey's. They don't come around that often. You more often have Leonard Fournette's. So how how do I invest heavily in CEH when he was in the first round of Dynasty drafts as a rookie before he even played? And his value cratered after, you know, burning people so bad. It's a hard climb back up. It's going to be a hard climb back up. On the other hand, J.K. Dobbins almost 
um, exceeded expectations because he scooted back to running back four in the class. When, you mm-hmm. know, before the season, I think I remember talking about, is it going to be, is it JK Dobbins or Deandre Swift going to be my guys? And it ends up, you know, it, it ends up that JK Dobbins doesn't get the run that we think he should until theme here, the end of the season. So it's almost like you have to take Antonio Gibson, Cam Akers, JK Dobbins, CEH, uh, Jonathan Taylor, and just look at the last six games. Because for all those guys, those are the only games where they got to play meaning, meaningful football. So when you talk offense, I just don't think that the Ravens are enough of a downgrade from the Chiefs to say that I'm not taking J.K. Dobbins when I think that the Ravens are going to run the football more. So it's going to even out for me. In the end, this is very close, and I would have made an argument for CEH, but you know, <laughs> tough decision. Man, whatever, man. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now I got to pick. Uh, I got to break the tie, and uh, I, I'm going with CEH. Ah! <laughs> it's hard to beat the Chiefs' offense. I tried. Yeah, it's just uh, I was, uh, again, another kind of split thing is, uh, you know, as disappointing as everyone thinks CEH was, and and I I felt like he was disappointing last year. Prior to the to the week he got injured towards the end of the season, um, he was actually well at least through eleven. I'm not sure. I yeah, it was the week he got injured. It was he was RB ten. So uh, th- that's still not too bad. A low end RB one, um, despite not getting quite the workload we were hoping, especially in the passing game. Uh, as you said, it's just that the Chiefs' offense is just so good. It, it's hard to to argue against them. Uh, I don't. Darrell Williams is going to be involved, but uh, I, I still think we might see an uptick um, in receptions. He had 36 last year. Uh, I think I, I don't think we're ever. I mean, a lot of people were thinking, "Oh, this guy's going to catch 75, 80 passes." I don't think we're ever getting that from him. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, despite his ability to do it well, uh, I just don't think that's the way the Chiefs' offense works. I don't think Mahomes loves to throw it. You know, he's not a guy who's going to dump. He's not Alex Smith who's going to dump it off to the running back a lot. So. Uh, you got to kind of scheme those touches for CEH somewhat. So, and, and I've been kind of preaching caution on Dobbins all offseason because of Gus Edwards. Uh, Gus Edwards is definitely a concern for me. Uh, he's a, he's a, people don't like to admit it, but he's a very good running back in his own right. He's, he's not a lead back, but he just produces every time he's on the field. So, uh, I, I think Dobbins can certainly be efficient, and I th- I think he can get get a decent amount of touchdowns um, as long as Lamar's not stealing them from him. But but I just lean Ch because that Chiefs offense is so good. Uh, and again, being the production guy, we've seen it a little more from from Ceh in those first 10, 11 games. And uh, again, I, I I was looking at it while while uh, you were talking at him, and even in those uh, last uh, six or so games when when Dobbins came on. Uh, he was RB fifteen. So uh, again, they produced better, but but it wasn't like he was amazing. So uh, I'm going to lean Ceh, but I agree with both you. It's very close, and that's probably why they are back to back in ADP. Um, <laughs> so Baltimore's uh, rushing rate was actually fifty five percent last year, and uh, the next best was fifty one percent. So even <laughs> if you give a little boost because Lamar Jackson's running the football, you're still talking about twenty eight for Kansas City. So I guess I only bring that up because. If we're acknowledging that CEH probably isn't going to catch as many passes as we would like because, hey, for some reason, they want to pass to Daryl Williams and then add Jarek McKinnon, another pass catcher. So even if CEH is going to be productive in the run game, he's still going to be um, trying to 
you know, get get precedence over Travis Kelsey in the red zone, over Tyreek Hill in the red zone. So if they're going to be 28th in rushing and CEH is going to be a predominantly early down back, it's just going to be a struggle for me there. I, I think I think that J.K. Dobbins might actually be – I might be – I should have picked J.K. Dobbins as the first place is what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing too, though, is, I mean, he's – even with him not maybe getting as much as we want, I don't think we're going to see Dobbins ever get as many passes as we want as well. Again, with the way that offense is run, Lamar is another guy who doesn't throw to the running back. Um, it's mostly just run, 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 Lamar pass, Lamar run, 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 run. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it clearly works. Seven, yeah, it does work, but, but, but it's hard to imagine. I mean, Dot, Dot, that was one of the things I think we all loved about Dominic's coming out. Is he, is he did have good ability in the passing game. He just ended up on the wrong team to take advantage of that. So, uh, okay, let's move on to the next one which is uh, a round five uh, group pairing of guys here. A couple of receivers this time. Uh, Chris Godwin is going 50 overall. Uh, DJ Moore is going 53 overall. Uh, so, uh, Adam, your turn to go first. <laughs> oh, I did not want to go first. <laughs> um, so the, my, my problem with both of these players is that they're uh, – almost equally productive and neither of them have contracts passed this year but there's a right answer here you better pick the right answer so what am i supposed to do here i mean pick the um, right answer yeah i mean chris godwin's my answer uh so i'm i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to take chris godwin to get okay this is what i was looking for it's it's so i'm so torn chris godwin is in the best position to earn a significant contract significant contract means significant volume Hopefully a good offense, but that doesn't. There's no really indication of that. But Chris Godwin in his contract year gets to play with Tom Brady and go for another Super Bowl run. And I have no idea what we're going to get from Sam Darnold uh, in in past Sam Darnold. So you know if if I have to pick two players that don't have contracts going forward who are both young and both excellent, just give me the one who's going to be set up for a career year over. Um, DJ Moore, who I think is probably the better athlete here, probably the better wide receiver here. But that doesn't matter if you don't have, uh, you know, Tom Brady throwing you the ball instead of Sam Darnold. Uh, I'm just kind of flipping a coin here and, and going. I think Chris Godwin earns himself a better role uh, going forward. So Chris clearly disagreed with you. So Chris, uh, make make your DJ Moore. Yeah, point please here. do. <laughs> it's just. The I guess my anti Chris Godwin take is the fact that like the target shares relative to like the three receivers that are part of the the Bucks. I mean they're they're almost like inseparable in terms of target share. I mean it's been like Mike Evans sitting at a 23-24 percent target share. Antonio Brown was kicking up into the 21-22 percent range. I mean who Tom Brady is like for some reason or another has an affinity towards and he found his way back to the team again. They brought him back as well. So even if like uh, Antonio is still just going to be there for a year. And obviously because this is dynasty, we need to project out a couple of years. I'm, I still lean towards DJ Moore. I mean, when he, like when DJ Moore like came out of college, I thought that he was going to be at least the, uh, like the better receiver out of the two. I mean, if we like, not to say that either of us, like any of us are ages, especially at like this young, at this point in their careers. I mean, DJ Moore is he's a year younger, if I'm not mistaken. I thought so. I think uh he's I 24. Believe so. Yeah, he's 24, Godwin's 25, something like that. But just in the way that they play, like while 
I do think that like Chris Godwin could move outside and we've shown that he can be like, he can be like viable on the outside, but DJ Moore, he's shown that he can play outside and also separate and also win. Like when he was forced to do that last season and while the production didn't come like we wanted it to, but that was mostly because he was tied to Teddy Bridgewater versus Cam Newton, like who he had the year prior. I mean, that he showed that he was capable of winning like downfield and contested situations where Chris Godwin isn't as successful or isn't as useful like in in that type of area. That's why they had to bring in guys like Antonio Brown and Mike like in Mike Evans still being a part like working the outside like primarily over Chris Godwin. So with DJ Moore being able to move both outside and on the interior, I mean, he's just the more versatile wide receiver. And if I had to compare the two, I just want that guy. Like, I don't care if he's tied to Sam Darnold. I mean, we can make the case that Sam Darnold could wind up being good. I mean, if they wind up, I mean, if the if the Panthers invest in a guy like Sam Darnold after letting you know just calm, cool, collected Teddy Bridgewater, like let, they just rushed him out of town after after one year, then they must see something in him that would allow him to unlock that offense to be a larger like to help like fuel that offense. I mean, not just him, but Robbie, and then also subsequently like Terrace Marshall as well. So at least for me, I lean towards DJ Moore, but I've been, I will say that that's a bias on on my end uh, because I've been more of a DJ Moore fan like since he came out of college, especially when that, what was it? Um, All or nothing clip with him and uh, him and Steve Smith. Like oh I, that's my just been, goodness. My, that's the just fantasy been my football. All yeah, he had to say was fantasy football and he had your heart. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just, I mean, I just thought it was a hilarious clip. I mean, Steve Smith was awesome about it, uh-huh. but I think between the two of them, that that'd be my choice, but I would agree that it's, it's fairly close though. Right as it should be with the with the close ADP, but uh, once again, uh, sorry Adam, uh, I'm gonna side with Chris here. Right. Um, I, I got DJ it. Moore here uh, for for a lot of the reasons Chris said. Um, I, I just I like to I definitely liked him more, you know, coming out. I think he profiled as a wide receiver one potentially. Um, he hasn't done that yet. Uh, but he has had 1,175 yards in back-to-back years. Um, the touchdowns haven't been there. You can chalk that up to the quarterback, I think, somewhat in the offense. Um, will that improve this year? We don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, we're all hoping, I think, that Sam Darnold might actually show he's good, but but he might just be a bad quarterback. Uh, uh, but but he has escaped Gase, so there is hope there. Um <laughs> And, and Godwin, other than that, that that one great year, uh, I mean, he's never eclipsed. And some of this has to do with injuries, but he's never eclipsed sixty-five uh, catches, never eclipsed eight hundred forty-two yards, and never eclipsed ninety-five targets, except that 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 one year a couple of years ago, um, where he was like a top five or six guy. So uh, again, I, I agree with Chris. I worry about the target share there, and. Uh, I do wonder if they, I, it's very possible that I guess they could let Evans go. I do wonder where he's, you know, both of these guys have quarterback issues after, you know, Tom Brady's probably going to be gone in a year or two as well. So, so we don't know what the future holds for either. Although maybe not, maybe Tom Brady's going to play well, till he's 50. Who knows? Uh, that doesn't mean that Godwin's still on the bucks either. I just think that he, right. Ends and, uh, but I mean, that could be an issue as well. If he ends up being some, some crappy team's number one receiver where that, that's not <laughs> ideal either. So, <laughs> Um, which often happens sometimes when these guys leave and leave in free agency. But Chris got into the Cardinals, have them push all the chips in. Ooh, there you go. Send it to Arizona. <laughs> it's a wrap after that. But yeah, so I just, uh, I just, again, I think I'm kind of, I think for the, almost the same reason as Chris, I, I like, I love DJ Moore coming out and 
uh, even his rookie season, which wasn't as good as the last two, was very solid for a rookie. And he's just he really just needs to up those touchdowns. And I think we think of him if he had like eight touchdowns each of the last two seasons instead of four. I think we would think of him a lot differently because he'd, be, he'd have a much higher fantasy finish, um, even with just like a, a handful of extra touchdowns, I think. So, uh, so, so, so I'm going with DJ Moore for this one. And uh, we'll move on to the next one, which an, another quarterback pairing. This this is more in the range of guys I'm usually looking at because uh, I'm a, I'm a weight on quarterback and super flex guy in startups. Um, so this is two round five quarterbacks. And uh, again, anyone who's listened to me on Trade Addicts or Dynasty Junkies knows which way I'm going with this. But I'm, I'm going to let the guys go first. Uh, Zach Wilson at 51 or Kirk Cousins at 59. You got... You got you got the youth um, with Zach Wilson, but 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 unproven. Uh, what do you think, Adam? I don't know what to do with this one. I looked at it before <laughs> you started the show uh, because if I'm if I'm not ageist at a position as a quarterback, I don't care. They might play until they're forty three. Uh, th- thirty two is the same as twenty two. Thirty two is better than twenty two to me because that means that they've had. 10 years in the NFL to figure it out here. And I think that Zach Wilson kind of is very comparable to Kirk Cousins. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever to see Zach Wilson have a Kirk Cousins career arc and be in the same position when he's 32. So I don't really have, I don't, I don't have much. I guess it depends <laughs> on my team. Do I have any jets players? Do I have any, do I have any Vikings players? I, I don't, I'm probably I probably flip a coin. No, I think I go with Kirk Cousins because I know what I have in Kirk Cousins. I don't know what I have in the Robert Sala Jets. I don't know what I have in Zach Wilson. I mean, he was my quarterback four on the year, and I wasn't excited about he or Mac Jones. I was just slightly more excited about Zach Wilson than I was Mac Jones. So it's not like it's a it's not like I see him as a guarantee hit. Like actually, just last night I said, look, it's very very seldom that five quarterbacks hit even when there's five drafted in the first round. But I think that Lawrence, Fields, and Lance are as close to sure things as we're going to get. And then Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, if they fizzle out this year, I'm not surprised. If they're not the answer this year, okay. I, I That's not out of the realm of possibility for me. So I guess give me Kirk Cousins just so I'm not holding the bag with Zach Wilson in case he fizzles out or Robert Sala doesn't work out as a head coach. Sure. So, Chris, are you – going with the correct answer and agreeing with Adam this time? Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree <laughs> with Adam on this one. Well, just because if, I don't know, like not to say that correlation has to be like this massive concept when it comes to dynasty, but if I'm thinking about like the the offense and like the team's, the team's passing offense, because obviously that's what you need a good passing offense to be like a mm-hmm. viable quarterback, like in fantasy football, uh, unless you're rushing a lot, which neither of those guys really do, at least at this point in, in their careers, at least not for uh, not for Cousins at this point. But I mean, Kirk Cousins is still tied to Justin Jefferson, and we all saw him like quickly ascend to essentially like the high end ranks so in terms of wide receiver. Uh, still got Adam Thielen, even though Adam Thielen's getting fairly long in the tooth as well, like 30, 31, like somewhere in that range. Uh, so even if they do have like both of those guys still got Irv Smith, I mean, that offense is just had is filled with known quantities. Whereas, I mean, known quantities, but also quantities that at least we can bank on like some of that production. I mean, like about league average in terms of deep ball rate, uh, while they're still towards the back end in terms of neutral passing rate, they're actually about 20th thereabouts in terms of red zone passing rate. And that's where like Adam Thielen has been able to make his hay for the most part like in the red zone, getting most of those targets from Kirk Cousins. 
we don't really have an idea of what the of, of what the um, Sala jets like you know Zach what, what all that's going to look like. But I can tell you right now, I mean, they really don't have they definitely don't have an established wide receiver one like like Minnesota has, like Kirk Cousins has, unless you're really ready to crown Elijah Moore as the next just Justin Jefferson. And nobody's ready to do that. Nobody's right. ready. Like nobody's saying that about like Corey Davis or Denzel Mims or Keelan <laughs> Cole or like any of those other guys. So it's just like if I compare those two offenses like right off the rip, I mean, it's easier for me to look at Kirk Cousins and say, at least from an offensive offensive efficiency standpoint give me the guy that's more likely going to wind up in the in the red zone uh, than the other one at this point right now it looks like her cousins is the one for me and yeah obviously i agree with you i'm a big kirk cousins guy um as someone who likes to wait on quarterback uh or or, or at least not pay up for quarterbacks too in already existing leagues cousins is a guy i definitely uh target he, despite not having the rushing aspect to his game, has been a QB one five of the last six years um, per DLF. So uh, he, he's a definitely underrated guy. And I, I'm very low on Zach Wilson. He was my QB five out of this class. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he busts at all. I like Mac Jones even more than him. So, <laughs> so I, I don't have much more to say. I'm just going to go Kirk Cousins here and agree with you guys. So the last one we have is um, Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson. Um, so Chris, who do you got on this one? Mark Andrews. Uh, that's, that's definitely for, for me. I, I have to go with Mark Andrews. Well, no, man, because like, I think we've talked about this before. It's like, we're really squinting to do this whole like TJ Hawkinson thing. Like I know from a situation standpoint, we, we want to believe that it's going to be, it's going to be hot, right? Because we can talk ourselves into the fact that, they have a they have a bad defense. Jared Goff doesn't really throw deep. It's it, really what are the what's the competition for targets? Are they really going to be targeting Quintus Cephas and Brashad Perryman and Tyrell Williams? I mean more so than than uh, than T.J. Hawkinson. I mean there's so many like narratives. Like while I all think that they're logical, but at this point it's like there's just narratives, right? Like we've seen Mark Andrews do this before. We've seen Mark Andrews like even in a year, right? Like last season when we thought that it was actually highly likely that he could opt out because he has diabetes, like he mm -hmm. still was a very, like a very viable, like tight end. Like he was actually like a full-time tight end, like high end snap share, still getting the targets, still getting the red zone targets. And just because that offense took a, like took a back seat or like it took a step back rather. I mean, Lamar goes from like a 9% target, 9% uh, touchdown rate to a 6.9 uh, touchdown rate. Nice. I mean, they, they, but Mark Andrews was still a large part of that. He's still a focal point of that offense. And that's still going to be the case. Like we were talking about earlier, what was it with uh, Lamar Jackson versus what was the early one? Oh, and Justin Herbert. Like if we think the Baltimore Ravens offense is still going to be efficient or actually more efficient this season, then Mark mm -hmm. Andrews is still going to be a large part of that. So for me, I think it's Mark Andrews without too much hesitation for me, quite honestly. See, I'm, I th I like them both. I'm fairly high on both for very different reasons. But you got to pick one. You but can't just be you can't just be nah, high on both. Oh, don't worry, I've got it for you. So I'm going T.J. Hawkinson, and I'll start with I'll start with. So the the worry with Mark Andrews was in his best year, he only had a 48 percent snap percentage, and then last year it was like, okay, well that's great. Well, his snap percentage went way up. Okay, there was no Nick Boyle. Guess who's back? Nick Boyle probably the best blocking tight end in the entire NFL. Guess who's not a great blocking tight end? Mark Andrews. Guess who else is up for contract? 
Mark Andrews, I don't know what Mark Andrews looks like outside of the Baltimore Ravens system. So, yes, in best ball, Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson back-to-back for me this year. Love them both because I think that the um, Ravens offense is going to be much more efficient. But they added three wide receivers who I think are very gonna, going to be very productive. Rashad Bateman, I think, can be a true number one. You still have Marquise Brown. And then Tylen Wallace was an excellent grab. So we went from... Mark Andrews was pretty viable on a 48% snap share. It's not going to go up with Nick Boyle back, but then you add three weapons and then you already had Hollywood Brown come on at the end of the year where, where you can even take it all the way back to, to draft pedigree. I mean, TJ Hawkinson hasn't gotten any love for being the ninth overall pick and he's progressed like a tight end should over the last two years. So TJ Hawkinson's in for his, you know, third year breakout with, I mean, last year he just eclipsed 100 targets. He, he's going to lead the offense in targets. We talked about we talked about Lions wide receivers yesterday. Mm-hmm. Who we could have talked about all three of them in the same vein, and it wouldn't have mattered. You might not Tyra see Williams any of them. You might, see, him, you might see not see any of them. You might see all of them. Shot so Perryman's better than him. Though. There is one viable all option in that passing game. Well, okay, two, DeAndre Swift. But TJ Hawkinson is the one viable option in that passing game. No, it's Quintus Cephas. So, <laughs> so I don't see how you look at these two situations. I mean, I see how you look at the players, and you could pick Andrews based on that. But if you look at the two situations, you're looking at a season in which Mark Andrews won't be on the field as much and got competition for targets, um, but a more efficient offense. Or you have TJ Hawkinson, who was drafted to be amazing, ninth overall, been productive in his first two years, got better in his second year, and is now set up for probably like 150 or 160, something ridiculous for a tight end. So I go TJ Hawkinson here. It's not a huge lean, but I'm trying to look a year ahead or even two years ahead. And uh, if I'm looking two years ahead, I easily see Andrews ending up on another team that doesn't facilitate his incredible efficiency. And yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I'm uh, also a big Hawkinson guy. Uh, I, I can almost see him moving into that Waller Kittle tier this year because he's going to just get so many targets, I think. And uh, I mean, it's Goff, it's not going to be a great offense. Goff isn't a great quarterback. Um, but I mean, if you look, are the Raiders a great offense? Is, is Carr a great quarterback? And Waller's got nothing around him, and, and Carr likes to throw to him. And I, I see the same thing happening with Goff and Hawkinson. And that's what you want when you're looking to try and find that. And, and again, I the third year breakout, I think, is a very good point. It usually takes uh, tight ends to, I mean, he already had a very kind good year last year. Out. Yeah, it was a pretty yeah. good year. He just wasn't in that. He wasn't that difference maker kind of tier like Kittle and Waller, but he was the next guy basically. And, and but you want a guy that you're looking for a guy that's going to lead his team in targets or be very close to it. And and that's Hawk is almost certainly going to do that this year. So I am very on board with Hawk there over Andrews. Uh, and again, the the Ravens, you know, they just added more receiving weapons to kind of dilute that passing game, which is low volume anyway. And and the Lions stinking could help Hawk this year especially as well. Um, because they'll probably be playing a lot of catch up. So sure. that, that'll lead to those 160 targets, Adam. So <laughs> <laughs> that's I mean, it's gonna be something insane. I don't know about that, but we're gonna look at his targets after this year and say, how did that happen? And then five years from now, we're gonna have to go back and say, I forgot the Lions were that bad. How did TJ Hawkinson <laughs> get so many mm-hmm. targets? Yeah. Okay. Um, so so that finishes up all our, our who you got, guys. 
uh, that was that was a fun little exercise to go through. So then we're going to finish up, as always, with our, our Find Me a Trade segment, which this week <clears throat> was submitted by Kevin Dorman at KW Dorman on Twitter. And it's a 14-team PPR Superflex League, 2.0 tight end premium. It's a, it's a safe league. Uh, 25-man rosters. Start 10, which is a, a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, super flex, and then two flexes. And uh, I'm going to attempt uh, I was trying this before the show. I'm going to attempt to share the screen here because I'm not real familiar with the uh, sharing screens. But uh, let me just do this here, and hopefully everybody can see that okay uh, oh, while I good. go over the roster. And uh, it is – he has – Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, Sam Darnold as his top three quarterbacks also has Tyron on this roster who may be starting. Uh, Travis Etienne, Najee Harris, Derek Henry, basically at it running back some filler guys and some reason hasn't cut Devontae Freeman off his mm -hmm. roster. <laughs> <laughs> he gets signed. <laughs> he could. Um, <laughs> and uh, a wide receiver where you have to start three, he's basically only got two guys in A.J. Brown and D.J. Shark. He's got a couple of rookies in Amari Rodgers and Diami Brown. And then a tight end, he's pretty weak there with the 2.0 premium. Gerald Everett is probably the highlight. Yeah. He's also got Albert O., Dawson Knox, Blake Jarwin. So some guys that could maybe do something. Uh, but that that's pretty much his roster. And what he said was um, – when he gave us this roster is that it's a team he took over just a couple months ago, wanted to go full rebuild. He actually only had Tyrod and rivers when he took over the team at quarterback. So he's done a good job building up the quarterback position and he's made a few trades so far, but would still like to move on from Henry uh, for future picks or younger running back, but can't seem to trade him away, which uh, I can see maybe this uh, uh, Julio uh, trade helps it a little. Cause I do think that helps Derek Henry, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, what do you think, guys? Let's go to uh, since Chris didn't put his on the sheet, I'm interested to hear it. So, Chris, what, what, what do you got? <laughs> I know I was messing with your OCD before we I got know. started. <laughs> uh, no, because my, my thought process, uh, is like I like he like we had just talked about. I mean, it's necessary for him to at least start a rebuild like, with the way the roster is currently constructed. At least for me, I don't see like rosters. Uh, at least roster reconstruction is not something that happens like all at once. So it might take some time, especially when you're moving an asset like Derek Henry, like uh, like Adam was talking about earlier. He's definitely one of those guys that like you have to be in the proper situation. Like your team has to be like properly set up in order to make that type, like, take on that type of asset. So. Uh, the one team that I was looking at, uh, and actually, can you can you pull it back up again, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, either way, the trade that I was thinking about was um, Derrick Henry, uh, Derrick Henry, and a 2022 third for uh, Miles Sanders and Lavishka Chenault. So at least in that type of trade, like you're tearing down on the running back position, you're getting a few more usable years like out of the running back position on at least a decent offense. We don't know what the Jalen Hurts experience is going to look like, but at least we know that he's going to be the primary ball carrier, at least involved in the passing game. We know about the Kenny Gainwell, like Boston Scott, like any of the other guys. Uh, but at least with Chenault, you're also adding to your wide receiver uh, core, which at that point I think you only had like maybe five or six wide receivers or something like that. So while it's not like a wide receiver, like an established wide receiver one, like you'd really want on a dynasty squad, like a DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, or things of that, like guys like that, it still provides you with some youth at a position of need. Whereas, mm -hmm. I mean, for uh, like for this one, 
is that the team we were looking at? This is the team that has Miles Sanders. Oh, that's the team that has Miles Sanders. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, at least for, for that particular squad, because I'm trying to look at it from both angles, right? So, the team that's dealing Henry uh, to this squad, I mean, they could use a guy like Derrick Henry, right? Like, this mm -hmm. team could actually use Derrick Henry, make a push with the team that he currently has. I mean, he has sure. decent quarterbacks. Decent running backs there with Mixon, decent wide receivers because he's got Jamar Chase, he's got uh, he's got DK and all that. So I think it kind of works out for for both squads. Like that team right there, they get an asset that could actually help them make a push. They give away like two assets right now that could actually help uh, like help the guy that currently has Derrick Henry. So I think it'll wind up being like at least a win win for both squads. Yeah, I, I think that's good value trade. Um, the only thing that occurred to me when you were saying, I agree with you, this guy, I actually, when we get to my trade, I actually traded this guy, Derek Henry, as well, same team. So uh, <laughs> I definitely agree with you that he's a guy you could use. I mean, it looks like he's a, a team trying to contend, uh, mm -hmm. still missing maybe a piece or two here. but mm -hmm. um, And he definitely has the receivers to trade away Chenault and, and gets the upgrade from Miles Sanders. Um, the only thing I was gonna that occurred to me while you were saying it was just uh, it would give him Chenault and Shark. Do you care about that, or you're just you're gaining value, so it doesn't matter? Right, you're gaining value, so it doesn't like it doesn't really matter. And at least for for my money, I think Chenault is the one that you want out of that passing game anyway. Like over like long term, I mean, who we really think is gonna stick within an offense? Like for me, I can see like Shark like wind up being a primary uh, a primary focal point in that offense like with Trevor Lawrence like over the years. Whereas like Chark could be that guy they just keep for the next like maybe two three seasons and wind up de like wind up dealing him over the next like couple of years or so. And Adam, you like that trade or what do you think? Well, yeah, I think that's a good trade because Miles Sanders has the stink on him, and I always like to go for the guys that have the stink on him, where people <laughs> just don't they just hate on them to hate on them, and you double count negatively, and it just it it's a snowball effect so i try to target players like that joe mixon was that guy for a while and he's come back recently but um yeah miles sanders is a good target i i like that trade um because i think that miles sanders has a lot of ascending to do uh once he gets a full season with jalen hurts okay so now i'm gonna go right into to mine because uh, like i said it's the same team so i figured i might as well leave this up here and, and go into that so uh it's uh, what I did was I did something a little different. I actually didn't worry about, he mentioned in his comments about getting a young running back back. I didn't really worry about that because it would be nice, but I, he does have two young running backs and, mm -hmm. and he's not doing anything this year. So if that's the case, who really cares if you have another running back? So mm -hmm. that's what I was thinking. And I went, uh, I went a little bigger than, than Chris did. Um, and I went Derek Henry, Justin Fields, 22 third that I would be willing to up to a second, probably even if necessary to this, to this same team for Jamar chase Tua and a 22 first. And, <laughs> uh, so what I was thinking is, I, I mean, I think uh, value wise Henry's up a little right now, just because of the, the trade, at least with smart players, they realize that this is going to be a, a benefit to Henry. Um, Fields definitely has the value advantage over Tua, but you're still staying young um at at the quarterback position and again it's a value upgrade we don't know that it's a production upgrade i mean i love fields um i, I basically had him as one b to trevor lawrence coming out but for all we know he could have the same rookie year too it did i mean we don't know so um and and i think two is being a little underrated right now as well so i don't mind the qb downgrade 
and especially if you can get this done and pick up the first and chase because he definitely um, needs receiving help anyway. Not that that's super important um, right now, but but when you're rebuilding, I like to pick up that you know if, if you get a guy you think can be a stud receiver, uh, I like getting that guy in a rebuild, and then you get the running backs, um, you know, as, as you move forward. And the 22 first gets you could potentially get your running back next year. Um, and it would give him two firsts as well. So he could, he could maneuver around a little bit with those two. Uh, I wasn't sure totally on the value. I, I, I actually, just to make sure before I, I, I kind of put this on the sheet, I put into two calculators. One said it was an overpay. One said it was an underpay. Um, <laughs> so so uh, I figured that meant it must be not too bad. Um, it depends on the owner, I guess, um, it, especially how high they are in fields. But but I like getting Chase two in the first in, in a rebuild. Um, keep going forward, and you hopefully build it up next year. I think he has a lot of nice pieces right now that he could even maybe by twenty twenty two if he gets maybe um, another running back and another receiver in that draft um, could be you know in the mix as soon as next year. He probably needs a tight end as well, so uh, we have to see how that goes. But but what do you think of that one, Adam? I think that's a good deal. I don't know if it gets you have possibly up to a second there. I think you probably would have to throw in the second, but the problem with that is it might not be that much of an upgrade because you just gave that person Derrick Henry. So their 2022 first is going to be later and right. then you're giving up your second, which should be the two Oh one. So you really only jumped yourself up, you know, a few picks there. Um, but I think that chase is by next year. Chase is going to be significantly more valuable than Derrick Henry. So it's a good, um, it's a good look into the future something that you probably don't win on Twitter when people really think about it. But next year when, you know, when Derrick Henry's got the stink, I was just talking about, cause he's too old to get 300 carries again. Um, <laughs> you're going to be happy that you had Jamar chase and two in fields could be a toss up. I love fields too, but um, you never know. It, it could be a toss up. They're both supposed to be productive young quarterbacks. Yeah, and and I don't know that this guy necessarily. I mean, I know he's rebuilding, but I don't know that he's definitely going to be like say the two hundred one because I just think he has a lot of good pieces there that that he's got. You know, he's got AJ Brown. Um, he does have a couple of good young running backs. Uh, he's got he's pretty solid at the quarterback position. Even if he does this trade, I I like Tua more than most. So he may score enough that he that he may be. Not it might not be quite as small of an upgrade as the two hundred one to a late first, but he's definitely going to be a non playoff team. Um, but Chris, any thoughts on that one before we move on to Adams to finish it off? I mean, this is that's a home run of a trade, like right there, and I actually kind of dig it. Uh, I mean, especially at this point in the off season, where I mean we're past all of the draft stuff, we're getting into the OTAs part, and we're seeing all these camp like the, the videos or whatever. Like these are the types of trades that kind of like that immediately shake up a league, and I like it. <laughs> like I, I really like it. Like that's one of those trades where like you pull it up, like you get the email in your inbox or whatever. Like when a trade goes down, you just like, just like holy shit. Like, wow. I mean, I don't like, so I, I kind of dig it, man. Like it's, it's an aggressive trade. I mean, and with the pieces that you're asking for, I mean, I, I don't like, I, I agree with Jerry right there. I don't know if you get it done, but I, I definitely like where your head's at. That's what I was going to ask. That was my only concern is if it was, if it was not enough quite to get it done. So I think, yeah, I agree with Adam that you would need to at least include the second. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, and he's also the one thing, well, two other factors that went into it to me that I'm hoping would help get it done is that 
he definitely um, is 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 a potentially contending team. Mm-hmm. Um, and Derrick Henry certainly helps with that. He does have Sanders and Mixon, but that's it. And you got to start two. And mm-hmm. Derrick Henry's an upgrade over both. Um, and, and the fact that he he's kind of uh, loaded at receiver, so that he might be a little more willing to let Chase go. He's got Keenan. He's got um, DK. He's got Allen Robinson. He's got Chenault, who who Chris mentioned earlier. Um, even Odell, um, mm-hmm. who I'm not super high on, but as your wide receiver five is pretty solid. Yeah, so, right. so I was just thinking maybe he'd be a little more willing to let uh, let let Chase shake loose to to get that huge running back upgrade. And like I said, it, a lot of depends on what he thinks of Fields. Um, he only has two quarterbacks too, so that could be an issue. Like, it's right now it's uh, two in Stafford, I think. Um, yeah, two in Stafford, so it would be Fields and Stafford, and we're not sure Fields is going to start. So. That could be an issue, but but I figured the the QB upgrade plus that he could use running back plus that he's loaded wide receiver maybe it gets it done. But uh, I definitely like it for our guy if it does get it done. So, um, <laughs> but but Adam, why don't you finish this off with your trade? Sure. So I first I wanted to agree with you. I don't think that he should be targeting a running back plus right here. I said earlier you have four usable years out of running back. Why do you want to waste one of them on a rebuild? So what you do is you just trade your players for a, a first round pick you get a placeholder or even a second round whatever you you trade for picks and you get placeholders because the point of a rebuild and you kind of teased it a little he needs to have the 201 if you're rebuilding mm-hmm. you want the you want the 101 you want the 102 or the 201 um so he it's it's this time right now he needs to be trying to acquire the 101 and you can't do that through tanking in 98% of the league so what do you do well one thing that I do is I get rid of players like Henry who can win you a game single-handedly. And then if it's a super flex league, I like to try to move my, I'll say like term fat at quarterback or something. You always want a ton of quarterbacks in super flex leagues, but if I can get through the year, just starting one quarterback and get 2022 first as placeholders in which I could hopefully use on a quarterback next year, that helps me lose games without having a terrible roster. So Mm -hmm. I sent Derek Henry and Sam Darnold to doggy bone, for a 2022 first, Javante and Sutton. Um, I did want to point out that if this person intentionally rostered Locke, Rogers, Javante, and Sutton as a Broncos stack, then they're probably not likely to send two players from their stack. But let's just pretend that they didn't do that. I think assuming that your league doesn't allow tanking, if this was, and it's safe leagues, I'm in safe leagues, I know that you cannot tank. Uh, you have to field a roster, but you want the one at one. So the only way that you can do that is go through the year starting one quarterback and hopefully, you know, maybe Justin Fields sits most of the year and then you don't end up starting Justin Fields. And then you move Derrick Henry and you don't have the world beater Derrick Henry winning you football games. So, and there's a few other players that you need to trade there as well in order to ensure you get the one-on-one and what you're doing is you're basically bookmarking value and it's really sad to see players go it's really sad to see derrick henry go or even aj brown if you were forced to trade him. my goodness that would be gut-wrenching but if you got incredible value for young with young assets and future picks you're basically just putting your roster on pause and then you hit the accelerate button in next year's draft and that draft this is how you do a quick rebuild. That draft doesn't even have, you don't even have to utilize those draft picks next year. You just get a crap ton of draft picks, do terrible this year, look like your team is awful. And then you have all of this capital to toss around next year. And you can do 
a one-year overhaul just like that if you want to by making sure that you get the 101, trade back the 101 to the 103, 104, trade back even further, et cetera. And you can just build a monster just by doing that. But if you still keep these productive assets after you make that Derrick Henry trade, then you find yourself at 105, 106, and you have a three-year rebuild there. So that's what I was thinking when I made that trade. And Chris, any thoughts on that one? Actually, I don't mind that either. And I do have that question that, that Adam has as well regarding like, like the Broncos, like the, like rostering so many of the, the entire team. We talked about it earlier. I mean, not to say that you know you should or you shouldn't stack like within dynasty rosters. I mean, you can wind up managing like enough of it so that you're getting the best parts of an offense. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't really mind that. But like the pieces you're getting back from it. I mean, Javante. I mean, definitely ascending. We're already hearing like plenty of work like coming for coming his way. Regardless of if Melvin Gordon stays, winds up getting benched at some point or whatever. Portland Sutton, I mean, same thing like what Adam was talking about earlier. I mean, you definitely want to try and invest in those guys that like have the quote unquote stink on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, coming off the ACL tear injury, a lot of his value is depressed, but we still know that, I mean, he's going to be the alpha like within that offense. Absolutely. I mean, regardless of what you think about Jerry Judy. And so, yeah, I, I, I would definitely, I would not mind, even if we, you are getting two pieces out of the same offense. I mean, those two pieces that's right there give you, uh, I mean, going from Derrick Henry to Javonta Williams gives you like so many years back, but then also being able to tack on a viable wide receiver one on top of that. I think that's awesome value. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like the, I like the value a lot. Um, I, and I, I'm not necessarily as concerned with getting in the one Oh one. Cause I think he, like I said, does have a lot to build with here. I don't, I don't want to get rid of AJ Brown for instance, or, mm-hmm. or Kyler yeah, Murray. Or, hurt, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and those guys are going to score you points this season, but I still think it's a really good job. Like I, like I did with my trade, you get in that extra first helps. Um, e- even if you don't totally tear it down. Um, and then if you get Javante here, uh, again, he may score you some points in the second half of the season, but now you got three building blocks at running back. You got a, mm-hmm. you got three building blocks at receiver with Sutton, uh, AJ Brown, and potentially Chark, uh, and you got the two first next year to work. And I really, like, I, I like the idea of moving the third quarterback as well because uh, I, I was actually looking to do the same thing. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, we don't know what Darnold's future is. If if he mm-hmm. craps out this year, I can. I'm still not totally convinced they don't end up, but uh, you know, if, if Deshaun Watson's cleared or something, make a move for him or something sure. like that. Oh, I'm, so, I'm fairly convinced that PJ Walker is going to make at least one start throughout this. PJ <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> Walker MVP. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like the idea of moving Darnold. And if you have the two first, I mean, you can always potentially replace that quarterback next year. Mm-hmm. And, and he should, even Darnold, I feel like should hold a lot of value. It's, it's part of the reason I included a quarterback downgrade in my deal. Cause I mean, uh, we didn't talk about it a lot in our trades, but this is a 14-team league, too, 14-team mm, super flex. True. So oh, okay. just yeah. almost any quarterback has even more value than than what, the way we normally think because a lot of us are mostly doing 12-team leagues, I think. So yeah. um, So uh, even Darnold, who's a low-end QB2, at least an ADP, or, or maybe even high-end QB3, um, but he definitely has upside. So I, I like this a lot. Um, I think it helps him. I think it could potentially get done. Um, he does again. He's a, another guy who has he has two running backs, but not much else. And he could start all three of the running backs with the two flex positions. Um, so I like it a lot. Uh, but so uh, uh, unless you guys have anything else, I think that's it. 
Oh, I uh, forgot to mention he's out a third quarterback if Aaron Rodgers does take Drew Locke's job and complete his Broncos stack. So that's that was true. Yeah, I considered <laughs> yeah. he could use Sam Darnold. Yeah, and, and even if even if Aaron Rodgers, well, and even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go to Denver, he could potentially hold out or retire, um, which puts him down a quarterback. And uh, he does have uh, he actually has Bridgewater, yeah, Bridgewater and Locke. Um, and if right. Rogers goes there, he knocks out both of them. So, right. yeah. Yeah. so, <laughs> so he could use a third. Even yeah. having the backup there doesn't wouldn't necessarily help. So, um, <laughs> okay, so good show, guys. I want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, I guess just I want to give both of you a chance to kind of just give your Twitter handles, promote anything else you're doing besides football or football guys as well. Um, so, Adam, why don't you uh, just sign off here and, and and push out there anything you want to push out. Yeah, you can check us out on uh, Wednesday nights. It'll come out on Thursdays. Um, the Football Guys newsletter. We di- we directly correlate with Joe Bryant's Football Guys newsletter, and then we just take the dynasty tidbits out of it, and we do that on YouTube. And we're just saying, what's the real NFL news that's affecting your dynasty roster? So you can find me at A P W I L D E. And thank you a ton for having me on. I haven't done a guest show in a long time, so it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. Thank you for coming on. And Chris, why don't you give your, your Twitter handle and anything else you want to, you know, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, most of uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Allen, FFWX. Uh, primarily during the off season, I do much more like long form, like researchy type stuff uh, over at 444 football, whether it's best ball, whether it's weather research, that's what the FFWX in my handle is for. Mm-hmm. Um, so spend most of my time there during the off season in season, uh, between doing the Dynasty show with with Adam, writing for them over at Football Guys, 444, also doing some freelance work over at NBC Sports Ed. So you can find me pretty much anywhere like around the community. I'm sure at some point I've, I'll be writing or contributing them at some point. So yeah, come yell at me on Twitter if you hate my takes. <laughs> okay, so yeah, thank you very much again for coming on. I uh, just want to finish up with some of our business here. Uh, first, before I, I go into all the, the Twitter handles and stuff, I just wanted to um, remind people that we are taking submissions for Find Me a Trade. This was actually the last one in the pipeline. Uh, so if you want to send one over, you can send it uh, to our Twitter handle at Dynasty Junkies or my Twitter handle at Dynasty FF Addict. Um, we also have an email at dynastyjunkiespod at gmail.com. So you can send it to any of those three places. Uh, we'll get it on the show. Have uh, myself and, and great guests like these two guys find some trades for you. Uh, even even if you, you think of yourself as an experienced player, it never hurts to have uh, another set of eyes looking at stuff. So uh, send them on over. Uh, like I said, those are the Twitter handles for the pod for me. Also, make sure you're following the DAP network at DAP underscore network, as well as uh, subscribing to the YouTube, which is where we're broadcasting from right now. Uh, and then uh, also, if you could subscribe, rate and review if you enjoyed this podcast tonight, which I hope very much you did. And you definitely should have with uh, these two much smarter guys than me on here. <laughs> so um, I want to thank everybody for listening. That'll do it for this week. Uh, as I mentioned previously on last week's episode, we will be off next week, but returning uh, live 930 July 1st, Thursday. Uh, hope you're tuning in. Uh, that's about it. Junkies out. Peace. <laughs>